We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello, welcome to another Fremont Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. Uh, if I seem a little, little leery, a little beleaguered, it's because that was that was not a fun Saturday. Not a fun Saturday, heading into uh, not a real fun sa- uh, Sunday, and then uh, waking up wrong side of the bed here Monday morning. So, okay, I will try to put on a happy enough face and get us through this show as uh, your your fearless leader, I suppose, here. You, you may need, I, you know, someone could pour me some 360 vodka right now. That, you know, it's like 8 o'clock in the morning, but that could probably help. Uh, maybe some 360 vodka or some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon, of course, from Holiday Distillery could, uh, you know, at least do a little something. Eventually it might make me a little bit more sad. I don't know, but for now it'll be okay. But if you're going to the game this weekend, uh, 2.30, Got a great kick time, uh, classic kick time in the middle of the day. I always think of the old the old Keith Jackson spot. And uh, it should be fun to get everybody there homecoming at uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. So stock up on the uh, Holiday Distillery uh, liqueur, liquor, and uh, make sure you have it ready to go at Bill Snyder Family Stadium this weekend. Support those that support us. They're great K-State fans, K-State folks, and we appreciate them. All right. Uh, K-State loses a 28-10 to lead in Fort Worth. And if you would have just told me that as the storyline, K-State loses a 38-10 to lead by allowing 28 unanswered points, I'd be furious, I'd be livid. And instead, I'm just kind of despondent because I'm, I can't really even be that mad at the team for, for how it happened because they were just so decimated by injury. Um, the quarterback is the obvious place to start. Adrian Martinez only plays one series. Will Howard comes in and balls out, man. I mean, four touchdown drives in the first half after Adrian Martinez goes out. He looks amazing. Then he gets hurt at one point, and you have to go to Jake Rubley, which was very costly because it turned into bad interception, turnover on downs when he couldn't execute a quarterback sneak. Um, and uh, that that obviously really hurt. But the most impactful injury of the game to me was Daniel Green, and I know I think we all agree on that, going out at linebacker. That looks like it could be a long-term thing. You had Julius Brents giving up a touchdown when he was out there and probably shouldn't have been because he was hurt. Uh, Felix and DK Uzama still limited. Deuce Vaughn went to the locker room at one point. Um, Josh Hayes was in the locker room at one point. We're talking about all either guys that were preseason All-Big 12 or playing at first-team All-Big 12 levels this year. Um, and I just who the hell knows what that roster is going to look like moving forward this year. So I, I'm just not in a great place. Someone else want to take this? Maybe we'll use Derek as a little palate cleanser in between here before we get to Cole, who had the miserable experience of dealing with TCU fans actually in Fort Worth to go along with all of this. So, uh, Derek, voice of reason, your perspective on what happened in uh, in TCU from a global standpoint. Well, from from the fan experience side, and Cole can kind of share his angle here, but I will say what he is about to share, I heard from multiple and several fans and they had to stop the game at one point because Chris, Chris yeah. Klein had to interrupt it. And- me, me too, by the way. My YouTube live chat, Cole, I had like th- three people pay me to tell me that they had such a bad experience just like you did. So, yeah. yeah. And, and Chris Kleiman had to stop the game and go to the official at one point because he was having beer cans and batteries thrown at him. So, uh, TCU, get your shit together a little bit when it comes to 
you know, that kind of experience because, you know, you shouldn't have opposing fans leaving unsafe or, or you know, players and coaches on the sideline not feeling safe either. That's just uncalled for. When it comes to the injury standpoint, it's probably as bad as it seems. Um, and I'll say this, it, it, some of it's just a bad omen of playing TCU this year. TCU separated the shoulder of Jalen Daniels. They concussed Dylan Gabriel. They furthered Spencer Sanders' problems. So um, a bit of the trend is playing TCU, apparently. I don't know what they're doing this year. If They're just a more physical team, but they seem to have every team limping um, after they play them. And maybe that's a compliment to them. I don't know, but it certainly has Kansas State in a problematic spot. Oklahoma State uh, comes into Manhattan next weekend, and they're as beat up as Kansas State, though, to be fair. They were without six starters against Texas and then lost two or three more. Um, in that Texas game, and Spencer Sanders is um, quite hobbled as well. Who Kansas State will have a quarterback is anyone's guess at this point. I do not have the details on how long or how severe Adrian Martinez's situation is. I do know that he was injured from the Iowa State game. Um, that's where his ailment started. He might have picked up something else as well, but that's where it began. If, if they didn't have a bye week, I don't know that he would have been able to play TCU a week after the Iowa State game. So he was already kind of a little, you know, going into the game a little beat, a little beat up. Um, I mean, the team was um, in general. Uh, a bye week's nice, but sometimes it's not always as what you need. Felix is probably something that they're just going to have to deal with all year. That's kind of a nagging injury that he's had since preseason camp. So that that one's not going away. And hopefully it can just improve, you would hope. Um, I doubt he's going to be practicing much, but we'll see. Uh, when it comes to Julius Brents, that sounds a little bit better. Um, can't say I know with 100% certainty. It's not like a bunch of people confirming that to me. But I did have one person with knowledge kind of shed some light that would seem that that one's maybe not as bad. So, um, But Adrian Martinez and Will Howard both um, are – undergoing further examination. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. I would lean towards Will Howard, but I just don't know at, at this point. And who, the, who's, who's number two on that likelihood pecking order? I mean, I don't know right now because I just don't know. I feel like it's Jake Rubley, and I feel like I don't. Eh. Yeah, I, I just don't know the severity of what Adrian Martinez's situation is because the one that sounds the most problematic is probably Daniel Green. That one looked to be the worst just because of the way he had no pads on you know, basically wrapped up around the midsection. So, you know, you can guess what the injury might be there, and that doesn't sound good. And quite frankly, because of the drop-off there, I'm not going to run anyone down, but because of the drop-off there, that's probably the one that's a little bit more crippling from a performance standpoint when it comes to Kansas State. I think Daniel Green's probably one of the top two or three guys this football team could ill afford to lose this season to injury. And now it looks like he's probably going to be out multiple weeks based off the severity of what that looked like. D.Y., he, he walked right in front of our section when he went back out out of the tunnel. And, and like you said, he was heavily wrapped around the abdomen area, uh, looked in a lot of pain. And so that was a huge blow. And, and that really shifted the game. I mean, TCU ran the ball 56 times in the game that was a season high by TCU. The most they had ran it in a game leading up to that contest was 43 times. They made it uh, apparent when Daniel Green went out of that game that they wanted to run the ball. They ran the ball on 68% of their total offensive plays. The previous season high by TCU in a game was 56%. So uh, they made that a point of focus and, you know, look, K-State ultimately held them to 3.8 yards per carry guys, which was a season worst for TCU, believe it or not. Um, but it didn't feel that way watching it. it. It felt like TCU was ground and pounding K-State in the running game, but um, K-State's defense just wore down. I mean, down. 80, yeah. down. Uh, to me, that was the biggest story of the game, D.Y., uh, the third downs. K-State couldn't get off the field. In the time of possession, 38 minutes to 21 minutes, K-State on the field for 82 plays, tying a season high for that K-State defense in terms of number of plays that they've been on the field. Um, and the third downs, you're right, 12 to 23 between third and fourth downs for TCU. This is a K-State defense that was holding teams to 29 of 98, 30% on third and fourth downs heading into that game. I think probably the biggest frustration was the it, it wasn't just third and shorts being converted, guys. It was the third and longs. TCU converted seven, third, and six or longer uh, in that game. 
And I think one of the things we've talked about, and we'll hit on this more, is the, the three and out before halftime when it was 28 to 10 by K-State's offense. But I think you could point to also one of the other biggest game-changing plays was TCU's first drive in the second half. They're at the K-State 41-yard line and have third and 17 after a Gavin Forshay sack. Third and 17 at the K-State 41, K-State up 11. They throw a dump-off pass to Kendra Miller, and K-State misses three or four tackles and allows an 18-yard catch for a first down. TCU's, if you hold them to eight or nine yards, they're kicking a 50-yard field goal to make it an eight-point game, a difficult field goal with the way that wind was moving around. And uh, instead, you give up a first down, and they ultimately get a touchdown. Uh, that was a huge, huge shift as well. But yeah, to the injuries, I've just I've never seen anything quite like it. It was just the walking wounded walking right in front of us to the K-State locker room. Every time we looked down, you know, we were about 10 rows up on the K-State sideline. Every time we looked down, there was another K-State player limping to the locker room. And it wasn't just any K-State player. The thing that hurt the most, it was their best players. You know, it's the guys they could ill afford to lose. Julius Prince. Daniel Green, two pre- first-team All-Big 12 preseason players. Josh Hayes, mid-season All-American. Yeah. I mean, he goes to the locker. I mean, it's just your you're starting quarterback. Then your other quarterback, who's absolutely balling out and plays the game of his life, gets hurt. It was just uh, your starting tight end. It was just insane. So, Yeah, that's the yeah. other thing. It was like, yeah, Senate goes down. And I didn't love how that looks. And like that, you know, I mean, he's such a critical part of both the passing and running games you know i mean we've seen at times he's been a pretty valuable asset in the passing game and obviously he can block and they, they've got problems with some of the other tight ends on the roster and blocking it's just, it's just like, yeah you yeah. laughed that was the one where i was laughing by the point that happened i think senate was the last one right to yeah to get yeah. hurt it, in the I'm, game and you're just you're just laughing I, what yeah. else are you gonna do and, and deuce deuce heads to the locker room at one point limping we know he's banged up look he has 12 carries in that game it's clear that they're trying to limit some of his touches probably as a result. And uh, yeah, it's, it stinks. Uh, it stinks. You had the buy and now you feel more banged up than ever. We thought the buy came at a good time. And unfortunately now you got to go through a grinder of these next five games through this schedule against some of your most difficult opponents, just beat up. And there's, there's really no way to get these guys healthy aside from missing games uh, for some of them. So yeah. Uh, unfortunate, miserable fan experience, uh, disgraceful by TCU. Uh, that's the worst fan base in the Big 12 in my eyes now. Um, I'm never going back. Uh, I think our group of eight, we've all conceded we're not going to go back to Fort Worth. That was uh, despicable. The Their student, I, I'm not going to label every TCU fan. I know it's the minority, but that student section, uh, the Big 12 needs to step in because TCU's athletic department, Jeremiah Donati, their AD, clearly isn't. You know, he... Uh, he walked by the student section and they chanted his name and he celebrated with them and he celebrated him on Twitter after the game. But you know what TCU didn't do? They didn't make an announcement on the PA about their fans throwing beer at K-State's players, at their staff. And it frankly pissed me off like I've never been pissed off before. Um, yeah. God. Which is just bizarre. I, I've covered... I was saying this on my live last night, but I've covered four games, I believe, at, at Amon G. Carter, 12, 14, 16, 18. Um, 12 and 14, those were two pretty high, highly looked forward to matchups. Like 14, K-State was in the midst of having the best uh, non-11 or 12 K-State regular season under Snyder. That was a nine-win team with Jake Waters, and they had a chance going into the last week of the regular season at, at a Big 12 title. So that TCU game was, you know, they, that was their big year up at the top. So that was a good Good game, big game, night game. And I just don't – I don't even really remember it being that rowdy. Uh, 2012, K-State was number one in the BCS, I believe, when they rolled in there. I don't really remember that game even being that rowdy. I'm sure I guess it probably was, but there was nothing crazy like that. And then 16 and 18, you know, those were just much more – K-State's 16 team had a nice enough year, but those were not like high-profile teams or high-profile big games. So there was like nobody there. So that's what – I mean, my lasting memories of Amon G. Carter are just nobody being there, like students not being there. So like I get – Sure, they're just thrilled to have students there, but like, I, boy, all these trust fund kids getting loaded and throwing beers yeah. on the sideline doesn't seem like the greatest thing in the world to yeah. uh, be doing. Yeah, they, uh, you know, look, I know K State students are behind the the opposing bench, right? But I mean, Kansas State's not selling beer, so that's not a problem. Maybe it would be a problem at Kansas State if they gave them beer, but I, I would push to move the uh, the K State the opposing team's bench to the other sideline if this doesn't stop because that was complete bush league bullshit. 
And it was, it wasn't just like I had TCU fans in my mentions. Oh, maybe one or be, they threw dozens of beer bottles at K-State sideline. It just kept happening. And they were throwing it in the end zone. Chris Kleiman sprinted down the sideline to call a timeout. They chuck a beer bottle at him. Happened right in front of us. They, it, you know, it pisses me off more that it happened to the players and the staff, but it also was happening in the stands. All right. They, they had them, they were throwing beer bottles at the K-State fans in our section, just spraying K-State fans with beer. K-State fans weren't saying anything that the cops are just as big of a disgrace in the security team at TCU as they came down. <laughs> just laughable. All of the K-State fans are pointing at a TCU fan that threw beer at a K-State fan. And they believe the TCU folks that pointed at the K-State guy that got beer showered on him and they escorted the K-State fan out of the stadium. They let the TCU fan stay. This type of bullshit that happened. We went up to the cops with about four minutes left in the game and told them to do their job. And they told us there was nothing they could do. So, yeah. They told us to tell the school because it was it, they've been telling Jeremiah Donati and the athletic department that it's a problem. Uh, I just feel bad for anybody that took their kids to the game because I would have been rushing my family out of there because it, it would not have felt safe walking to the car. So... Yeah. Anyways, I digress. I don't. I don't mean to take us on a tangent, but I hope the Big Twelve does something about this. And if I hope, I hope K State files something with the conference because that uh, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Good feelings, good vibes all the way around. Everything about that experience for everybody, huh? It was just wonderful. And now, you know, not only are you going into this stretch so beat up and injured, the the other part of it is Cole and I. I know we were discussing this before. You're telling me, hey, don't just concede the next couple games, whatever. I'm like, all right, well, you're this injury situation combined with, you, you know who the next three on the schedule are? You know how many wins Chris Kleiman has on the next three, over the next three teams on the schedule? Yeah, zero. Oh, zero. Nine. Not, not a one. Not a one. These have been the three teams, uh, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Baylor, that have just owned Kleiman. Since he's been the head coach, so yeah, I'm I'm not not in a great spot with this. Let let's not totally leave this game yet against TCU. Um, Cole, you mentioned the 28 to 10 spot. I mean, if we are gonna, to me, if you if you're gonna circle a moment in a, in this game, where in the second half, by the time all the injuries had happened, and like Howard was, I mean, I was just kind of like, you know, whatever, this is going to happen. Um, but at a point where the game still was very much in doubt, and it felt like you could totally go step on the throat. 28 to 10, you get a stop. Was that a fourth down stop by the defense that got the ball back? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. They get a fourth down stop. They get the ball back. It's 28 to 10. All the momentum in the world. Will Howard is looking like, I don't know, like dialed in Tom Brady from 2007, you know, throwing to Randy Moss, just darts all over the field. And it, I believe it was run, run, quarterback draw was that sequence and quarterback draw. One pass. Okay, and quarterback draw on third and ten, which I, Will Howard. You, you, we don't need design runs with Will Howard, especially when, especially when you already have one quarterback out of the game. But I just, it was such a conservative call. It was not taking advantage, really, to me, of that moment there. And I, I hate to harp on it too much because the offense worked so well for the four possessions before that with a backup quarterback. It's hard to really say like, oh, the offense was that bad. But that was a spot that was very frustrating to me because, like, go for the jugular. You get up 35 to 10. Now not only are you doing that, but you're taking time off the clock. You're not giving it right back to TCU. There's less of a chance that they hit that drive at the end of the half because it just the way it played out was the perfect momentum boost for TCU to be able to book in the half with a touchdown and a touchdown. And so, yeah, that, that spot killed me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can understand that. And I think uh, in their defense – and I and I I'm with you. I think what I what I probably didn't like was just going, you know, the QB run on third and long. I think that's almost like uh, maybe they thought they had something there, but it just that since they're not just throw the ball, you're throwing the ball fine just to do that. But I guess my only defense was that that same sequence um, merited a first down in two prior drives where they scored. Um, where they also ran on third and long once. So I think they probably maybe they just went back to the well one too many times. I, I don't know. I, I certainly think the sequence didn't necessarily piss me off. I would say the third down call is just a little bit of a head scratcher running 
with a quarterback that's not necessarily explosive on third and long, I, I think you're asking for a little bit of trouble in that scenario. Uh, perhaps they thought that they were just going to get enough and make it fourth and manageable. Um, maybe that was the plan too. Um, I think that maybe that probably does make more sense. Uh, I still didn't like it, but I'm just trying to find and and you know the answers to why they justified doing what they did. I think they they may have thought that TCU trying to make a play because they were kind of desperate at that point down okay. 18 that they would blitz and that K-State could catch them in that scenario where they're trying to get overly aggressive blitz and they could blitz them with a quarterback draw. I mean, we remember Will Howard at TCU in 2020 when he busted, what, an 80-yard quarterback draw at K-State's own goal line in a situation. So they probably thought that that may have been an opportunity, but I'm with you guys. I wanted him to – the way he was dialed in throwing the football, heck, he converted a third and 16 on a beautiful dime to Malik Knowles um, for 37 yards earlier in the game. And then we saw the absolute dime of a throw to Phillip Brooks on a fourth and 10 when K-State was down 38-28 to 28 with about 9, 10 minutes left in the game that threw between two defenders and the perfect spot – so Will Howard was converting in those situations, dropping back to pass, and I would have liked to have seen seen K-State do something there. Obviously, that that did feel like a game-changing scenario just because you, you, you had a feeling with K-State being as banged up as they were defensively that TCU had a very good chance to double up on touchdowns to end the half and to open the second half and reset, and that would completely re-energize that stadium. If K-State could have went down and scored a touchdown right before half to get up 25, half that stadium's clearing out. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of bandwagon fans down there. And I think a lot of those students are, are going out to start drinking um, and the energy sucked out of that place. But then they get life with that touchdown before half and they know they get the ball to start the second half and in case they just couldn't stop them. And it, it ultimately, we talked about the defense boiling down, you know, wearing down in the game. And look, K-State had eight drives. Eight of their 11 drives went for four plays or less. I mean, three of their four touchdowns were four plays or less. And I mean, it's not a terrible thing. They're getting explosives, um, but it just kept putting the defense back out on the field and the defense couldn't get off the field in the third down situations we talked about. Um, but I, I, I do want to shout out Will Howard. I mean, like we just talked yeah. about, he was, he was terrific in that game to step in in that atmosphere and, and play the way he did. Um, sensational he took significant strides clearly hopefully he can consistently put it together but i mean k-state had seven passes of 20 or more yards in that game with will howard um they they were explosive in the passing play you know yeah the Cade warner catch was a heck of a catch by him but but most of those throws were just beautiful deliveries um nice ball to dj giddens and to to deuce vaughn on a wheel route uh yeah, kind of that kind of made me think about, you know, when the Kansas TCU game happened, Jalen Daniels separates his shoulder, um, has to go out. Jason Bean Looks comes like the in. the same thing. And, yeah. and Jason Bean just starts, you know, throwing dots everywhere, and Kansas almost beats TCU. I just remember, maybe it was just on our on my, on my message board at K-State Online, so maybe it's a little bit too much of a, an ecosystem there. But every Kansas State fan was, like, pissed and frustrated because, you know, they were thinking KU still had this, you know, probably amazing season happening, and they bring in another quarterback that's just throwing dimes everywhere. They're like, why why can't that happen to us? Well, it just did. I mean, you got you got so uh, for those that, that said that at the time were really frustrated, like, how does Kansas have two quarterbacks and, you know, we're still stuck here. And maybe Kansas State has two quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. small sample size, I get. But Will Howard just did what everything everyone was like belly aching about when Jason Bean came in and threw dots all over the place on TCU as well. Yeah, but do they yeah. have two two healthy quarterbacks? Is Will Howard yeah. healthy? Is yeah. Will, yeah. That's, that's another part of this yeah. damn game. And Will, Will, Will Howard starts balling out and then busts up his shoulder. Like, of I course. Think, I think Will Howard's going – if I had to guess, I think Will Howard's going to be able to play this week. But – uh so, but that's just a point that I wanted to make because I think that's imperative. Because yeah. um, everyone was trying to give Kansas State Trump, you know, yeah. pro, shit, shit left and right, Colin Klein shit left and right when that Jason Bean thing happened because Kansas State can't have that happen. Well, they just did. So, eat your words if you were the one out there saying that when Jason Bean exploded is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and and for the ones, and I get it um, because it's it's a point of frustration. It's fresh. The wounds are fresh, and I get it. That's a look. In totality, the injury situation is much more worse at Kansas State than what is typically seen, especially for one game. What you saw, like the quantity, 
But in terms of quarterback, and I get it because we'll get into this with the whole quarterback run game, and I get the the frustrations with that. But can't say I'm the only one, you know, dealing with you know quarterback issues. I mean, Texas Tech's to their third quarterback already this season. Oklahoma State is got a walking wounded person with Spencer Sanders, and he's basically a game time decision every week. Dylan Gabriel missed two games, two and a half games, three games, I think. Um, they they're down. They were down to their third quarterback at one point already this season. TCU's the only lucky one apparently that um, is getting by with everything. Baylor, Blake Shapin, pretty sure he's playing banged up. It is a game time decision about every week. Texas lost Quinn Ewers for multiple games. Hudson Card then got hurt as well, and I think they got down to their third quarterback at one point already this season. Kansas is down to Jason Bean, like we already said. Jalen Daniels is going to miss half the season, right? Hunter Deckers. Seems like he's okay. JT Daniels, ironically, is okay when he's the most injury-prone quarterback in the entire conference. Well, Hunter Decker's okay because he throws the ball away whenever they get to There's only two healthy starting quarterbacks in this big uh, club right now. I just had to take a shot at Iowa State yeah. to make me feel better, D.Y. Uh, no, no, I get uh, it. No, uh, no, uh, yeah, and I no. approve, and that's appropriate. We can no, it, yeah, it, it's not a, Maybe the Big 12 is just a, the defenses are just beating the crap out of people this year because there's yeah. – Hunter Deckers and JT Daniels, the only healthy quarterback, and Max Duggan, the only three healthy quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, I do, but I do. Can, you can, then that is a fair trend point, point to give me the trend for this year, but I'm going to give you the trend for K State football. Last year, quarterback hurt. 2020, quarterback hurt. I mean, go back to Jesse Ertz. Quarterback getting hurt. Snyder's running him out, getting him. Okay. That's also across two coaches. And the Skyler thing was also because of a late cheap shot hit. But in getting getting quarterbacks. I mean, Dan, like uh, even Jake Waters and Daniel Sams both. Had I know, but that's also that a different with when they were playing quarterback. Different. And it's it's because it's because one thing that is uh, uh, crossing both coaching lines is running the quarterback a lot. And the, the the offense that they run is is not very conducive to receiver recruiting, and they can't recruit receivers. I just I feel I like that. they're going to have to change. They're, they took a baby step toward modernizing the offense this past year, but now you've got Avery Johnson coming in who can sling it and like has that Patrick Mahomes style of play. I'm not trying to say he is Patrick Mahomes, but he plays that sort of style um, where he's going to be good at throwing off platform, moving on the run, and just distributing the ball. Like change for the love of God, please just get away from this. We're not doing this every year. I get that, but Skylar Thompson's 2020 wasn't a QB run. 2021 wasn't a QB run. Um, Adrian's probably was. I get that, but Will Howard is hurt, and he, there's been like four design quarterback runs for him the entire season across seven games. So I get that frustration, but the quarterback run's actually not the one doing it. Was it 2021 Skylar was quarterback run? Was that not? It was, it was, uh, he was yeah. out. He was uh, trying to run block, um, running oh, okay. without the ball, and his knee gave out. I mean, the only thing right. you could argue, though, Skyler, D.Y. is well, – I'm saying Skylar Thompson has never got hurt from the quarterback run game. Yeah. The only thing you could, you could argue is, like, we don't know the wear and tear and, like, how that makes it more likely that these guys get hurt on a certain play. I mean, they take so many hits during the, the year. Does that make them more susceptible to one of those injuries when it's not a running I, – I don't know. Like, maybe, we know it's how it happened to Adrian. Maybe, but he, like – the 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 when he went out to run block that seemed like a pretty you know like yeah a fluky play. deal yeah non-contact yeah I mean, it's it's been some bad luck there's no doubt that K State has and had some bad luck shot from a tech player in twenty I mean but but I do agree yeah I, I I do agree though with John's point like it, it as a K State fan like there's a frustration because you got to go back to when do you have to go back to the Ron Prince era the last time you had a fully healthy quarterback an entire year Colin Klein played banged up you know 2011 2012 we know Jake Waters was beat up like crazy in 14 Jake Waters had the AC joint thing yeah and 13 he missed didn't he miss a couple games in 13 too um, yeah I think so that's why they so. went Daniel Daniel Sams because Waters was banged up some as well um we're just saying the Chris Kleiman era it's been pretty bad luck oriented yeah but, but, but I but it's a combination it's not just that you're you're putting these these guys more at risk but then at the I same time, you're also – I just you're, think combining what happened under Bill Snyder to Chris Kleiman doesn't apply. I think they've carried over a lot of the same strategy of wanting to utilize quarterback good, game. They haven't had the same results. That's such a huge part of their offense, and I think they need to move away from that. Because Tyler Thompson had a non-contact injury from run blocking, and then he got a cheap shot from the Texas Tech player. Will Howard's ran the ball four times all year. For the Chris Kleiman era, I don't think it's having an impact. Well, but they did. Uh, I think they ran the ball with Will Howard with a busted up shoulder on Saturday. 
They oh, called I was going to say, he, he already had, had some problems. Problem. He ran four times all year before it happened. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, I know. I'm just saying, like, they they still were willing to run a quarterback with a busted shoulder. Like, that that is – that's poor. Like, that can't happen. Uh, that's That's my issue. Like, it shows a willingness to still – risk your quarterback when you're down to your second string quarterback and run him after he's already hurt that that's and we're glossing over adrian martinez adrian yeah, i'd say yeah one one time since he got hired okay. in adrian martinez and well no no no. i mean because will howard the play he got hurt he gets thrown down he's running the ball and he gets thrown down on the ground yes but it's not like okay four runs all year if he gets hurt after four runs that seems like bad luck to me I mean, okay, but I feel like we're, we're moving a lot of goalposts here. That did not get hurt after four runs. We're moving a lot of goalposts here. They've had two quarterbacks this year get hurt on on QB run, and now you know Jake Rubley came in and arguably cost them the game with the two possessions that he had because he's just not ready. I mean, and there's another point that I'll make too about this. Texas Tech, yes, is down to their third string quarterback. It's a four star young kid who's been, I believe, in the program the same amount of time that Jake Rubley has. And Baron Morton now looks like the truth. That that kid came out and balled and put up 300 yards in his first two starts, and Jake Rubley looked completely lost when he came into the game. So, I mean, that's that's another part of it too. But I, I wasn't even – I didn't Baron even get to the back half of this. The first I think, team reps during that week of practice before he played. I think the part of this too that is much more imperative is is also that they, they – we bitched and moaned about their receiver recruiting forever – well, it's hard to do that in this offense that relies so much on quarterback run. And so you're taking steps, modernize the offense. It'll be better for you from an injury standpoint. You have a quarterback that you can really take advantage of with, and it will become a more attractive way to recruit skill players and just kind of catch back up with the rest of the, the modern world in college football. So I, that's why I would advocate for it, but you can't. I, mean, I would advocate for it. it. I just think it's been bad luck more than the QB run. Yeah, I, I would like to see him. I, I'm not saying you have to completely abandon the QB run game. I'd just like to see it cut down to four or five QB design runs a game if you're going to go with that. Um, you know, Adrian Adrian mentioned to us and he mentioned to numerous people that part of the reason he came to K-State, he wanted to run the ball less, and he's been injury prone in his career, and yet he's averaged more, more carries per game at K-State than any point in his career at Nebraska. And so – the wear and tear of that and the physicality. Look, we all enjoy watching him run. I mean, he's exciting in the open field and it's a big part of his game, but uh, ultimately now he's banged up as a result and K-State's in a difficult situation. And I just think we'd like to see him modernize it. I know you agree with that, D.Y. You'd like to see him get some better receivers. Um, you also, know, up- with Adrian, some of it, those runs, the reason why he's running more than he ever has in his career was the, the, the pockets really breaking down. A lot, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of QB yeah. scrambles this year. So I think the pass pro is conducive to those rushing numbers being what they are. And he will probably take some personal accountability to this. Some of it was he was unwilling to throw the ball the first three weeks. Yeah, true. I mean, that's all true. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I guess I just looking forward – if Will Howard is going to have an injury to his non-throwing shoulder, I mean, I just worry what what happens when he gets hit. If he if he is indeed going to be able to play, I guess that just means a lot of drop back passing and then uh, more reliance on Deuce. If you can, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, if you can, because of the injury that he's going through right now. Otherwise, I guess more DJ Giddens. But then, man, you've gone from the next L. Roberts and Darren Sproles to Will Howard and DJ Giddens pretty quick. Not that I think those guys are bad players, but. I wonder if there's a little bit of – I just – I hope that this carries over with Will. I mean, I I yeah, obviously have I'll, never I, seen him play say, like that. I'll but. say this. I think Will Howard can beat Oklahoma State. He probably should have in 2020 if he didn't fumble. He right probably should well, have in 2020. If Will Howard plays like he did against TCU, they absolutely can beat Oklahoma State. Um, you know, it's – obviously now Oklahoma State's going to prep for Will Howard. TCU new coaching staff. I think you made that. Maybe it was you, John, that made that point. New yeah, coaching staff, staff had would have probably had no idea. Yeah, they hadn't seen Will Howard at TCU. New coaching staff comes in the game. K State. I don't. Did, did you guys feel like we ran? Can't say ran a little different offense with Will. I mean, some of those plays they were running. I don't know. It just, I think Will was just a little bit more willing to. He win was a lot more willing to just throw it up. I mean, the, the Cade Warner it looked, touchdown. It looked you know? pretty similar. I just think okay. that he was a little bit more aggressive in certain throwing windows that Adrian may not have been. Yeah. Yeah. That, that very well could have been it. I, 
just the, the seeing DJ Giddens pass, you know, out of the backfield, downfield, 26 yards, and then followed right back up with a wheel route to Deuce. And I know they've ran wheel routes to Deuce before this year. So um, the, the and, pop and pass. The other thing, the, do, the passing game to Deuce Vaughn, for whatever reason, always explodes under Will Howard. Uh, well, well, and, and, and hey, it happens in the NFL. Yeah. I, mean, I, I use this example on one of my stories. Um, Alvin Kamara, when he's with Andy Dalton, his numbers explode. When he's with Jameis Winston, he barely gets the ball in the passing game. Um, it's kind of the same way with Deuce. When he's got other quarterbacks around him, whether it be Skyler or Adrian, not necessarily as much of a weapon in the passing game. But when Will Howard's the quarterback, and maybe because he has to – Maybe he's better against the blitz because he finds the outlet a little bit better. Um, when Adrian sees the blitz, he just bails. When Skyler sees the blitz, he gets hurt. Um, uh, so, or he stays in the pocket and he maneuvers it well. Skyler's pocket poise did improve, you know, incredibly well in his last year at Kansas State. But when Will Howard, I mean, he gets the ball to Deuce a lot. I mean, Deuce caught four balls yeah. <laughs> on Saturday. He hasn't caught four balls all year, I don't think. Yeah, uh, you know. The thing with Oklahoma State that obviously worries you, they got a good defensive front. Probably the collect. They are banged up, definitely. Brock Martin Brock didn't Martin, play. Brock against. Martin didn't play. And then the other kid, uh, Evers, quit. Um, yeah. He opted out. And they had a third one leave the game against Texas and never returned, which is pretty good. Was it Lacey? He's, he's the one of the others that concerns me. Um, they've got they've got good defensive ends. I don't know Brock Martin's status for Saturday. Uh, it would be helpful if he doesn't play. Uh, he wasn't addressed at all. And all okay. Like, you know, last yeah. week. I wasn't month. able to. Yeah. Uh, he is. I wasn't able to watch uh, a lot of the game. I was trying to stream it from the TCU parking lot a little bit on my phone. But, uh, and I know we'll talk more about Oklahoma State on Thursday's show. But, uh, you know, they're going to fully prep for Will Howard and they're going to probably try to bring a lot of pressure, a lot of different looks on that front. And the thing that does concern you is that, you know, they know Will Howard's banged up now. Uh, they're going to go after him. And they're also probably not going to respect him running the football. So they'll completely key in on Deuce. Um, and so Deuce, we already know, like you need Adrian to help take some pressure and alleviate, you know, teams keying in on Deuce. They're going to completely lock in on him. The only way that's going to change is if Will can throw the ball similar to what he did um, and stretch the field against Oklahoma State and make him pay. It will help that he's at home. You know, it's a home game. He's played Oklahoma State before, played him in 2020. Uh, different should've defensive won. coordinator, but uh, yeah, should have won that game. So we'll see, guys. I don't know. Like it would, yeah, you'll be, we'd be feeling a lot better if Kansas State can somehow, you know, win that game against a top ten opponent at home, be the biggest home win in quite some time, and you know, jump right back up to sixteen, seventeen in the because, polls and be tied for first in the Big Twelve. Because I view, and obviously, you need to be somewhat healthy and I know that's Kurtz's bugaboo right now and that's very fair but assuming they can be healthy enough and maybe get Daniel Green back fairly soon but because I view Baylor West Virginia Kansas at the end of the season as very winnable games especially the way Baylor looks right now splitting Oklahoma State Texas if you took care of business in, in that last 25 percent of your schedule seven and two yeah but you better split it by beating Oklahoma State or else the tiebreakers are not going to do you any favors at all. I, I I agree with that, though. With the way this season has gone, I'm not guaranteeing Oklahoma State's going to be completely perfect either. That's what I mean. Yeah. This is just – this is I, a massive, I, I just have a hard time thinking seven – I just have a hard time thinking seven and two keeps you out this year when everyone's beating everybody. Yeah, maybe, so. but it would be – it's it, it's the worst two teams you could, you could lose to because I got news for you. Texas is losing again. Texas well, is losing Oklahoma again. State's losing again. As banged up as they are, yeah, I think Oklahoma State will lose again. Yeah, I, I think I think beating Oklahoma State would be the more important. It's ideal victory. Yeah, yeah um, Texas already having two losses, and to your point, John, they got to play TCU. They got to play. They got to play Baylor. Um, Sounds like Kansas. Texas will probably beat TCU the way the season's going. Yeah, uh, look, I. I, I wouldn't be surprised, guys, at all if TCU goes to Morgantown and loses this Saturday. Like, that, that would not. I'm saying everybody's going to be – West Virginia, like, had just took care of Baylor. I, well, I think, the, you know, m m most of my despair is about the injuries here. If I were to really sit down and think about it and get mad, I, I mean, yes, I could see TCU losing to West Virginia because I don't think TCU is that great. 
I think not. K State at full no, strength. I don't think Oklahoma State is that great. And you think well, I'm just making the point. I think K State at full strength wins the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they were up 28 to 10 with their backup. Yeah, I mean, anywhere yeah. remotely close to full strength, I think you're winning yeah, that game. 28 to 10 on the road at night with their backup quarterback. Yeah, the, I mean, they've, they've TCU has come back now in the last two weeks from 17 and 18 yeah. points. Oklahoma State, I mean, Oklahoma State was healthier than Kansas. Well, maybe they weren't. I don't know. But Oklahoma State had the same thing happen to them that K-State did to TCU, and, they, yeah. and that had to happen to them with Spencer Sanders as a quarterback, not their backup. Yeah, there, there's something to be said about the ability to come back, fight back, but I think TCU is a beneficiary of a lot of luck factor coming into play. Um, and so I, I think that things are going to even out eventually for them. And I would not be surprised at all if it starts in Morgantown. Mm-hmm. Um, you well, know, look, I, yeah, I, it, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to watch that game. Um, you know, I guys just thinking at the, you know, we touched on a little bit about Daniel green kind of pivoting back to the, the defense. I, I think one of the biggest frustrations for all of us and, and K-State fans in general is the linebacker position. Um, you know, I was I was looking through why they're in the situation they're in. You know, they're having to rely – Austin Moore is a heck of a player. They've been very fortunate because he was a former walk-on that he's turned into what he has. Um, but I looked at the linebackers they've signed and out of the prep ranks and then in the transfer portal since the climate era began. Jeremiah Harris, gone after year one. Demarcus Hayes, gone after year one. Devontae Pritchard, gone after year one. Gavin Hazelhorst was kind of a – you know, didn't really have a position, right? Kind of edge linebacker gone after year one. Uh, those are your prep linebackers. Brandon Jennings, Will Honus, Sean Robinson, Eric Munoz out of the transfer portal. All of them gone. Well, Will Honus, unfortunate, you know, didn't, uh, wasn't healthy, but the point you that you were going to have to, you're going to, yeah. You know, it's crazy. There's four transfer portal linebackers and they'll probably hate that we're talking about this and shining a light on it because this is definitely their negative point. But you went through it. Brandon Jennings, Sean Robinson, Will Honus, Eric Munoz, four transfer portal linebackers, guys that you're trying to add to support your group in immediate fashion for the most part. Not a single one of them took a snap. Yeah. These are guys that, yeah, all of these guys left within one year. Zero steps between those four players. So now some of it is bad luck, but you're yeah. also you're accepting that bad luck a little bit with Will Honus because he already had a checkered pass when it came to injuries. Well, that's the thing. We were Kansas State was going to rely on Will Honus, who had severe injury history. But if you're Kansas State and look, also be a little realistic here, and those that's where you kind of have to corner the market a little bit, right? You're not. You're not Oklahoma. You're not Texas. So you have to find those, you know, maybe place uh, players or places that can bring you a lot of success that maybe people won't look into as much. Now, I'm not saying they have to do that exclusively 100% of the time, but that's probably those those risks such as Will Honus and Sean Robinson. Those are the ones you kind of do have to take if you are Kansas State. And uh, to be fair, I, I discounted. I didn't include in there Jake Clifton and Toby, right? I, I certainly think those are the highest well, upside linebackers. Yeah, yeah, they're on the traveling roster, which you know is encouraging. And I think Toby, they have Toby bright. Punt. Yeah, yeah, I think they have potential. You know, bright futures here. So I will say that signed out of the prep ranks, but it's just frustrating that they're in a situation Des where does Purnell? Yeah, yeah, Desmond Purnell does look good. Um, I should have mentioned him. He is a linebacker. Yeah, you know, he was listed as a safety when he brought him in, but he's been moved to linebacker. So he was a guy that this staff signed. It's uh, it's just frustrating that they're they're relying yeah. on. They had the walk on after walk on out the there. The problem is almost one linebacker spot, right? Because yeah. behind behind Austin Moore was supposed to be Will Honus, and obviously something happened there. He's not going to play. But you still have Gavin Forche and Jay Clifton, so you, you still feel okay about that linebacker spot. And then behind Khalid Duke at the the, uh, the same linebacker spot is Desmond Purnell. So it's like, oh, we're doing all right there. But Daniel Green is where the big drop off. There's like no depth behind Daniel Green at the inside linebacker spot, which that, is what they actually, which is what they brought Brandon Jennings in to do, right? But he didn't want to be a backup. Is that? I think. That's what I want to say, but he was also getting moved around and where I, I just don't think that was ever a good marriage. Yeah. Well, John, you have uh, you have any frustrations on that point? Uh, uh, look, I mean, I've voiced it. I mean, yeah, they've, they've not done a great job recruiting linebacker. They, they, they've had a lot of success in the portal, but not at linebacker. And it, it just is a, 
puzzling position to me that they've missed on so much because like that's I mean Kleiman being a defensive guy you would think that that'd, that'd be a position they'd be all over hopefully Toby and Jay Clifton are going to change some of that here I mean they're going to have to because Daniel Green is not going to be around anymore so yeah. you're going to have to figure it out I mean they've done they've done a great job with Austin Moore like it's not it's not all been bad but and, they, and, they don't and, have and, enough quality depth there right now to withstand losing Daniel Green and like that's the that's the absolute backbreaker killer here at this point in time. And and this isn't just meant to be a 10-minute diatribe either to run down Nick Allen. He's coming off a torn ACL, and he's a former walk-on. Yeah, it's what not they, his fault. Yeah, I, and what, like, what they are Allen getting is in a him. position where he's being asked to do more than he should be asked to do. And that's so I don't I don't really yeah. have ill will toward Nick Allen. It's no, just, no. And considering the circumstances, what he's been able to do is probably pretty impressive. Well, TCU yeah. sure picked on him. I mean, they figured that out pretty oh, quick. Yeah. Garrett Riley's not a dummy, so he figured it out pretty quick. D.Y., any chance that uh, Clifton or Toby get on the field this year, you think, uh, other than Clifton, I know, played a couple games, but do you uh, think I mean, any of them could Clif- be ready? Clifton plays the will. I mean, oh, okay. if, if we're looking for inside linebacker help, I don't know that that's – I mean, I think that maybe what Toby is going to play, not exactly sure. It might be, but – I think he's a miles away from really understanding the game enough to be counted on because uh, here's the thing. They're both going to make mistakes, right? Nick Allen's going to make mistakes because he's, you know, physically maybe not up to snuff. And his length was actually what hurt him the most because it was easy for them to throw over the top of him because he does, he's short and doesn't have a well, lot of arms. That's something that TCU exposed. They hit Jared Wiley, their six seven tight end. Yeah. So he had sixty-two yards receiving coming into that game on the year. Yeah. He had seventy-four yards against K-State. If you're a tick slower than Daniel Green, you're not going to get as much depth. And if you're three inches arm length shorter and you're two inches, you know, shorter, yeah. that that all that's why length matters. People are like, why do we always talk about length? Well, to be honest, Nick Allen was in the right spots. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing Saturday. His problem was he's not 6'3". <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, and now they're going to have Khalid Duke. I mean, that's the other thing. He got called for targeting. He won't be available yeah, for in the half. first half. Yeah, I mean, it just... So it's... it's uh, I, I, it, I, I know you're getting some optimistic news, hopefully, on on Brent's, and I'm, I'm hoping that's uh, holds to be true, D.Y. I know you have credible info on that, so hopefully he can play because he's K-State's most physical corner um, and he's your biggest corner, and he makes a lot of plays uh, in space tackling. Um, he had one and a half tackles for loss just against TCU in the half that he played, and um, I thought Jacob Parrish played really well in there, but he's 5'10". He almost had a yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was so close. Um you know, showing his receiver skills there, right? Uh, he's 5'10", and so he doesn't bring that, you know, Echo in him. I thought Echo played solid too, but they're not the the big physical corner that Brent's is, and you just you miss that physicality if without him on the field. Was the rest of the passer calling Echo a good call? I didn't think so. No, I, I thought it was bad. No, I thought that was kind of weak, but uh, – but, but I wouldn't know, D.Y., because TCU – hey, Bravo, they don't show replays. Here. Yeah. TCU doesn't show any replays of any call that's in question, guys. Except they the were- Parrish one, and then they they made it a screenshot <laughs> on the screen where it like you know. Uh, uh, yeah, can, can I can I can I bring up kicker? I mean, you can bring it up. That's an issue. Uh, someone's it's been saying it's an issue this whole time, even though you know I got kind of. It was an issue. Talked down there for a while. I. Here's the thing. Man, it's a delicate thing, not for us to necessarily talk about, but to know when to pull the plug. Well, who do you go to, Zentner? Yeah, I don't know. Is, is Jack Bloomer a kicker? No, I think he's a he's punter. He's a punter. Um, I don't know behind Tennant if it's it's probably a freshman. You know, if you put Zentner out there, you're just you're putting a lot on his plate: kickoffs, punting. Extra points, field goals. Now he's a kicker, though. I mean, I'm sure he could do it. He's got a butler, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's got he's got a big leg. We know that. I just I don't know about his accuracy or you know, but I, I think it's got to be under consideration, John. I mean, Tennant looks like he doesn't have any confidence out there. That uh, that first kick, 44 yarder, had no chance. Uh, now, 
it was into the wind from 44 wind. yards, uh, 20 mile that. per hour wind. I get that. Uh, that's a tough kick, but you need to make one of those two, especially the 40 yarder with the wind at your back um, hits the upright that that one needs to go. You can't miss both those kicks. That's the one that hit the upright is the one that needs to go. Yeah. yeah. And I think they would have went, and I think Kleiman mentioned after the game, they would have went for the fourth and two went up 20, yeah, 24 and yeah. that went. Yeah. Not hurt. He's not going to put in Jake Rubley. Yeah. Clear. It's never played a meaningful snap in his life on fourth down. Yeah, yeah. So and they were putting it. They did have a fourth down. They didn't get it. So yeah, which, by the way, I thought they put him in a bad spot there. On that why do that? That scene. was dumb. Punt it. I was like screaming at the. I just no. I I was okay going for it. Well, first of all, didn't they miss spot the ball? Didn't Deuce? Yeah, get Deuce the first? had the first down. What the hell? We all thought Deuce had the first down in the stadium, but again, they don't show the replays. So. Uh, so I'm I think cool. I don't even think we got a, a replay on the broadcast. I mean, remember it, it, the broadcast not only broadcast is terrible Tillman, too, right, Kurt? They didn't. They didn't have. They didn't. It's not only Brando and Tillman. They did not have a sideline reporter. So, no, they didn't. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. There's <laughs> that, nothing. That entire operation Saturday in Fort Worth, from a television standpoint, from a fan experience standpoint, and to be honest, from a media standpoint, it's just a complete disaster because they I still put the media away in media like us. Most places. It, it, they're never great situations, let's be honest. But most places, it's still good enough. TCU, they still put you in the damn loading dock. And um, we're sitting here having conversations with Chris Kleiman, and we hear all the equipment behind us just like being rolled off the truck or rolled onto the truck. And you, Chris Kleiman can't even hear us talk, can't even hear us ask the questions. And for people that have you know, the audio recorders, that, that's, that was probably a shit recording that they can barely use. I told my group after the game, I'm in favor of kicking TCU out of the Big 12. I, I mean, they, they uh, I, I would just replace them with SMU and give SMU a shot now because they, the arrogance from TCU fans, they, they have developed this, this just arrogance about them when I was around them on Saturday. And I just am like, you know, the Big 12 really, really made you who you are right now. The reason you could build these facilities and everything. So just kick you out. You know, I, I don't want you around anymore. Um so yeah, we had these college girls behind Michael. us yelling. Yeah. Uh, and I know they had success in the mountain West, so I don't want to discredit that, but uh, I, <laughs> I had this full, like full, full blown Texas tech Homer in that newfound rivalry that has been blossoming. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping TCU loses the rest of their games on the schedule. I, uh, after that, I've, you've lost a, a TCU supporter. I never had any issues with them before and uh, I can't stand those guys now. So hope they lose out. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I guess that's kind of an answer. <laughs> you know, hey, Bert, we did it again. We're really good. I, at I went off the rails. Tenant. Yes. Tenant problem. Base or program. I mean, the last one, Kurt, some somehow made it Florida. This time it's TCU. Yeah. Chris Tenant, man. I, I just <laughs> something's something's got. I mean, there's just there's a lot of problems. There's just a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems. I have a hard time seeing the route. I feel like them. you've never re- remember when Cole told us your situation and how you went like 10 minute mute after Malik Knowles fumbled at the one yard line in Ames and just like your soul evaporated from your body. Yeah. I feel like that happened from that TCU game and it, and it has not returned for you yet. Yeah. I mean, and it was basically when I saw Will Howard come into the game, which <laughs> seems crazy because he absolutely balled out and, yeah. and deserves a ton of credit. But, I'm happy for him too, man. He oh deserves- yeah, for sure. But I, I just, it was like, at that point I was just like, Oh God, like this game, what is the rest of the season? Because I'm sitting there going through everything I'm going through in my head already, where it's like the best thing the offense had going was Adrian's explosiveness on the ground. And now even if he comes back, that looks like a knee. Um, you're probably not going to have that the rest of the year. Will definitely can't take over quarterback ground game like that. Still kind of tripping over himself when he, when he tries yeah. to, to get out and run. So you've just lost this valuable asset. I'm just going through this whole exercise in my head and I'm watching him do this. And I'm like, okay, is this Jason Bean effect? And then he's, he's going to kind of, you know, turn back into a pumpkin. I I don't, I I worry about that. I just, yeah, it's all that. It's not like, this is, I can get over one game. I can get over one game. That's fine. But this to me was uh, the potential. I felt like K-State lost multiple games on, on Saturday. I was going to say that. That's going to be a good quick hitter for you this week. Do you take Will Howard or Jason Bean? I mean, I would, I, I feel terrible for Adrian too, you know, just to have to go through another injury. Um, you know, I, I'm still perplexed 
when did he get hurt, guys? Was it the first play? Because did he, I didn't see him limping out there. And when he went to the locker room, he didn't go to the locker room until TCU scored on the ensuing well, drive. They, they showed on the TV broadcast, they showed after he threw the pass on third down that was a little bit behind Senate, I think it was. He immediately like reached down and was like grimacing in pain. He kind of like reached down in his, okay. toward his knee and was like grimacing in pain. And then, then they caught him immediately he went straight to the phone on the sideline um and was like having an intense conversation on the phone upstairs with i assume colin like pretty quickly so the tv in, in the broadcast credit i will give them that their tv crew was able to catch that um so that's that's what we and, got and that limp just kept getting worse when he was going to they showed him going to the locker room and it, 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 did it not was good. He was limping going to the locker room when he came out at halftime, coming back out, it was worse. Uh, and I just, it, it definitely wasn't, it wasn't good. So it's hard to see him. You know, he's probably going to need at least a couple weeks, but I don't know. I mean, to your point, you can't run him right now. So you have to, you have to wonder who's more effective at that point. It's probably Will Howard being able to drop back and throw the ball. Otherwise, I don't know. Adrian is just a, a pocket QB, how effective he can be without his mobility. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it stinks. Um, but yeah, Will Howard, 10.1 yards per, uh, actually 10.8, I think per pass K-State in that game, 10.1 yards per pass attempt, the, uh, the second highest against TCU this year, only behind, uh, KU's performance. I mean, guys, you look at the numbers, K-State's 5.3 yards per rush, a season high allowed by TCU. They had held all but one opponent to below four yards per carry on the season. Um, they were given up 3.7 per carry on the year. K-State, 7.4 yards per play, second highest of the year against TCU. Only KU at 7.5 yards per play was higher. Mentioned the yards per pass. The biggest issue to me, every FBS opponent TCU played, the, the TCU defense had been on the field for at least 70, 70 plays or more. They were on the field for 53 against K-State. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I just don't. Don't feel great about Oklahoma State. Uh, I'll be there. Kansas State on uh, DraftKings. I was making sure I wasn't crossing sponsors there. On DraftKings is a one and a half point favorite at the moment. And Bill Connolly uh, on his SP Plus has K State favored by point zero two points. John twenty eight point three two to twenty eight point three zero. Now I don't know how that factors in injuries or anything. Do these things. I was just about to say. Do these things factor in injuries at all? I mean, I mean but you would think. Like the Vegas books would, but so and if his is reflecting the books, maybe it does. I was surprised Vegas put out a line with the injury situation right now. I figured they'd wait a few days, but uh, no. I mean, I I think K State can still win this game. I do. Be positive here, guys. I do. So Spencer, Spencer Sanders. I, I like their chance more against Oklahoma State than I do Texas. Spencer Sanders, oh, like for sure. Yeah. What a warrior Spencer Sanders is. Uh, yeah, Bijan Robinson running against the Daniel Green oh defense scares the hell out Bijan of me. Robinson, Nick but Allen if Sark chooses to abandon Bijan Robinson <laughs> again, like he did against Oklahoma State, then eh. I, I will just say, like, Bijan I. For eight yards a carry, but Quinn Ewers still throws it 50 times and doesn't complete 20 passes. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the big the best chance for K State to beat Oklahoma State, and we'll talk more, more on Thursday, is. Like Spencer Sanders is a warrior, guys. Um, a guy who's been around forever and continues to play through banged up, but I, he's turnover prone historically in his career, and he hasn't had that problem yet this year, really. I could see this be that two or three turnover game. K State, all of K State's turnovers forced this year have occurred at oh. home. They okay. haven't forced a turnover on the road. Nope. I could see K State force them into two or three turnovers. Special teams, that that's return game that's how k-state's gonna have to they're gonna have to find a way to score in the return yeah. game Oklahoma State big... special teams have not been very good they muff punts like crazy brandon yeah. presley he's a good receiver but he uh he likes to to drop the ball on those punts so yeah all right well maybe try not missing two kicks you know that would that would help that would help on k-state special teams and just don't even try any field goals john just go for every fourth down now It'll be crazy. Jake Rubley out there going for every fourth down. What could possibly go wrong? No power, probably. <laughs> All right. I'm done. I'm done pouting for, for one day, I suppose. Uh, K State could go Wildcat exclusively, John. That's worked out well the last year. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, Texas won with Wildcat, though. 360 vodka, Ben Holiday bottled him on bourbon. 
stuff it down your throat, make yourself feel better, whatever you got to do this week. See you out there. I'll be there on Saturday, Bill Center Family Stadium. Bring it there. Uh, but we'll have another pod for you, previewing the game uh, coming up later on this week. Hey, basketball is like less than two weeks away now, right? Hey, don't we're we're Keontae, podcast we got Keontae Johnson pod dropping. We got, you know, you want some positive news. That's going to okay. drop early yeah. this week. Yeah, Keontae Johnson pod. The season is two weeks away, I think. That's what I yeah, the Ichabods. Yeah. about it over the weekend. The Washburn going down. And they, we had a secret scrimmage with Southern Illinois over the weekend. So highlights look good. I thought uh, from the highlights case they put out, it looked like one big. So I'm pretty pleased with that performance. I don't. Yeah, I don't think Southern Illinois scored. If you look at the highlights, yeah. I, I saw a lot of Desi Sills in there too, guys. So a lot of Cam Carter. Yeah. Uh, how about that move by Naquan? I mean, man, you really broke this down. I barely watched it once. I watched it five times. I was trying well, to uplift. I watched my, it a couple times. Yeah, I was trying to uplift my spirits last night in bed. I literally, my wife was like, "What are you watching?" It's like I'm just, you know, what I do. I watch a lot of basketball stuff right now. So, um, yeah, Keontae pods dropping. We got Marquise and Naquan Tomlin pod dropping. So uh, sometime this week, maybe. So yeah, dropping listen to those two. Dropping. dropping. Yeah. All right. Well. Take care, everybody. Heads up. <laughs> Put on a strong face. We got this. Going back the week. And uh, we'll see you soon on the next three months. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.